we have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one-mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you, it's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one-mile radius. What's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Hey, February 3rd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Very focused show today for the most part on something that I've already touched on a bit that I think I really want to flesh out a bit more. And we're really only focusing on two moving parts of a much, much, much larger discussion. And, and this is kind of getting back into the realm of bioweapons and manipulation. And really, just a quick point out of the gate, it, it, for those rightly engaged in the conversation about whether, you know, if there are these that exist and, you know, every conversation out there is is fair. Let's put it that way, I guess. Or, we, you know, act like those are not logical or intelligent conversations to discuss whether or not viruses exist or terrain theory versus germ theory. Now, I've my opinions I've made very clear. I'm still kind of, I feel like there's a lot more up in the air than people try to pretend on either side of this conversation. Point me saying that out of the gate is that people tend to dismiss the entire bioweapon conversation because this new conversation has been inserted into all of this and they dismiss anything that kind of they see is falling under the umbrella of, you know, a virus or, or X, Y, and Z, whatever we're talking about. My point there was that in the conversation of bioweapons, let's say, let's just even say for the sake of conversation that viruses don't exist. There are people that operate in these labs. There are people that execute research under all of these discussions. Now, there may be an illusion, but there are people that work at these labs who may not know that. And what are they working on? What are they executing? What are they playing with? What are they trying to achieve? My point is that at the end of the day, there's still something going on there. Now, we can debate about the words we're using to define these dangerous things they're doing. But for the conversation we're having today, just consider that point, that they're clearly doing something. Or I guess, you know, question everything. For It all could be a grand illusion, which is also certainly possible. But for the sake of today's conversation, let's, hypoth- let's think about the possibility of, of, you know, what these things could be, what they, they at least think they're trying to achieve, and what that might be doing to people surrounding the area, to people that they end up using these things on to experiment. Historically speaking, this is verifiable fact. Today, the question is whether or not this is, you know, there's a lot of questions, whether this is even what's happening, whether or not this was something done by mistake, whether it was done by mistake with the intention to help people, whether it was done by mistake with the intention to test something. There's all these different varying parts of this. My biggest point, as always, is anybody out there screaming that they know what's happening and have all of the answers is either completely, you know, in my opinion, confused or lying to you. That doesn't have to be nefarious, but realize there's so much on the table that I really find it hard to think that anybody could be saying that. But let's go through. Oh, I'm just realizing right now as I jumped in the show early today, I don't have all the videos lined up. I'll have to do that in the background like we used to do, you know, a few months ago before I started having it lined up properly. But we're going to go through the focal point today of myocarditis induced coronaviruses, which we've talked about which is on the record, I'll go through yet again today to start or start to that portion of the show that Ralph Barrick, North Carolina University, 
one of the main, one of the moving parts in the EcoHealth Alliance, Wuhan Institute of Virology, United States government, China, kind of overlap of all of this prior to COVID-19. Ralph Barrick and North Carolina University being the, play, the location where the actual material came from. Very important. And we can see research going back, I think, as early as the 80s into 1993, 4, 5, and 6, I believe, working on literally documented as myocarditis-induced coronaviruses. Now, that's weird in its of itself. But, of course, their argument is, as always, to get ahead of all the people that want to shout that we're misrepresenting, that they're doing it for defensive purposes, of course, because we want to find out how this can happen so we can defend against coronaviruses or defend against a weaponized coronavirus. Well, sure, sounds logical until you poke barely past the surface and realize it's just a mathematical <laughs> near impossibility for that to even come into play. The point being, regardless of what you think their intentions are, that was done. Then we can can, can put this in line with the next conversation. And the, as I said, only, there are only two parts to a very large moving body of work of something called Project Diffuse that we've already talked about, the people have already referenced back to 2021. I think The Intercept, which actually who we referenced today, made an article about this. And this is discussing the, the potential aerosolization, or at least the proposal to do so, of viruses, for and, and specifically coronaviruses, talking about SARS and MERS, and how they would use that to infect bats. And can be, it, can be, it can be read in no other way than self-spreading vaccines. Now the question then becomes, with which does include Ralph Barrick and EcoHealth Alliance and the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the question then becomes when you're putting these things together is, were there was this an agenda going from one piece to the next? Now, again, this is just questions we're posing today. For you guys to look at the facts, that's all we're going to look at, what we can prove, and for you to ask the question, could this have been something that got out of control? Could this have been something that was designed this way? Because let's not let's be very clear. Historically speaking, this government is on the record as doing exactly that to whether they're doing it today is up for you to decide or whether this was a mistake or whether this was stolen by somebody and used. The bottom line is the material that we're going to look at today shows you just from step one to step two, exactly how these things could be laid out. Or somebody could have seen this, taken this information and executed something else. However, you look at it, I find it quite shocking, quite stark that we're looking at a group, a body working on executing something that can induce myocarditis, then working on aerosolizing some version of this coronavirus overlap with Wuhan Institute of Virology, with the same players in every possible field. Then we have this all come out and it's like a string tying them all together. I mean, I just, you'll see what I mean as we go through this today. I want to be very, very clear, guys, that I'm not saying I'm proving any of this. I just want to pose questions, especially with stuff like this today, because it's just taboo. Now, ask yourself this one last thought before it take too long to open the show today. Think about how crazy it is that what I'm going to show you today are all facts. Everything we're going to talk about are things that are on the record that you can prove. There's maybe a different narrative about why they did it or what it means or if maybe we're misrepresenting it or misunderstanding it. But if we're still showing you facts and then simply verbally come to a different conclusion about what those facts mean how can that ever be wrong is the wrong word because you're incorrect in your conclusion if you know in that hypothetical but how can that ever be illegal how can that ever be dangerous how can that ever be violence because that's what we're talking about today where we're simply showing you facts or we're showing here's what the vaccine injection is doing to people peer-reviewed science and it's dangerous medical misinformation you're you're killing people by showing this same kind of game 
So if we're looking at facts and we're coming to conclusions, I think it's pretty clear that we're on the right track. Even if you come to the wrong conclusion, we're looking at facts. And the thing is, is they don't want you looking at the facts and coming to your own conclusions. They want you to hear what they say those things mean. And how often can we think right now and look back on stories that they were like, we swear this is the case. And then like 30 seconds later, it turns out to be the exact opposite. I could probably show you 45 examples in the last 14 hours if we looked right now. My point is, I think this is quite obvious, but let's jump into it to start. So this is, oh, by the way, something I was going to play to begin that I, that I forgot and played something else. But that opening video was important because it shows you the Fort Detrick conversation and just about how obvious these things are, whether we're talking about places like, uh, I'm blanking on the term all of a sudden, like Georgia, not Georgia, the state, but in the country or, you know, or places around Russia that the U.S. government are operating in or numerous places in Africa for Fort Detrick, for example, where it's almost exact correlation to where these places are and then rises in cancer, rises in various undefined diseases all around these places. You know, you could think for yourself, think for yourself about what that might mean, at least what it could possibly mean. Now, this is a video to start with. And remember, two years ago, when this reporter dared to ask Fauci a question about vaccine expectations, the receipts are too good to pass up. Now, I'll, I'll just let you watch this for yourself. I'll play it in a future video. It's just a great clip showing you where he's going, no, 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 you basically, you misunderstood. And then going through every part where they're going, saying exactly what he said, you misunderstood. It's, they almost, it's like they don't care that you can look back and prove that they're lying. I just don't even understand. That's how far they are losing this, essentially. It's incredible. But I also want to shout out a great article that I'm going to be talking about with Derek tomorrow. He pushed, put this up yesterday. Who is the better identity coalition? Now, I want to start with a point about this, and we'll get into more depth of the conversation with Derek tomorrow. Bottom line is, this is a group called the Better Identity Coalition, and it's exactly what you might think it is. It's an entity trying to push and justify and rationalize digital IDs for everybody. Now, I... I, I Focused in on an interesting point yesterday. I see there being a very big difference, at least when it comes to hashtags or the way that the, the search engines respond to it. Very big difference between digital ID and digital identity. Now, that may sound... The bottom line is a digital ID, as I think it's being perceived by the search engines, is like a physical identification card or some variation therein or, or digital not, I guess digital wouldn't be card, but digital on your phone or digital on something you can hold as opposed to your entire identity being digitalized or digitized. That's, I thought that was an interesting thing to think about because one is just having like a digital representation of your, ident your identification, like your driver's license. The other is like what this picture is showing you, talking about a literal entire digital clone of everything you are and everything you have, but even going forward into the future of this, which is what they're talking about, emotions, thoughts, reasoning, artificial intelligence, having like a version of you in the metaverse. Now, that's a way step forward for a lot of people. The point is, this is just simply talking about your entire identity being represented online, not just your driver's license, but like everything that you are. And it's exactly like they're showing here. Now, the concerning part about this for me, as is what Derek points out, is this company is tied back to every single person you would find concerning. The government, the the pharmaceutical companies, the great reset people, uh, uh, groups. In, I'm saying that to shorten the point, but in every possible way you can take that. World Economic Forum and so on, all tied to this. And their main point is about justifying that all these people who want this so desperately just can't get it. It's a false argument. That's not even most places that are trying to push this don't want this. 
So they're using the argument that we need to make this fair and equitable when most everyone's going, I don't want you anywhere near me with this. So as always, creating a false conversation, justifying them doing this for the people that they act that we're they act like we're trying to stop. They were being racist by not letting this happen when really the people that are at the they're pointing at really are trying to run from this. The bottom line is it's really about controlling the conversation, controlling the future under the guise of vaccine passports or any form they're in social credit. It all ties together. So it's important to consider this and realize as a top, on top of all of that, that the groups that they're listing as their coalition members, here's the ID of the website. The ones that stood out to me the most, places like Equifax, Experian. Oh, you know, like credits, credit rating, uh, I guess, companies. There's a better term for that than I'm blanking on. The point is we're talking about social credit here, guys, like right out of the gate. They're talking about using these things to continue to grade you in all these ways. And they're open about that because they argue they're going to justify or, or rather train you to be a better person through things like this, through ESG, through sustainable development goals. This is very alarming, even if that is actually their intention, which I think it's quite clear it's not because it's still social engineering. Which takes me to the first real point of this today, which I'm trying to go through this quickly because I want to get right to the point of the show today, is the fact that this is all about controlling this, the information flow, which is really what I think is important to the second or the main conversation today, because we're not supposed to be able to talk about these things. And right now, even on Twitter, which I'll show you again, it's still not. People are being censored. People are being suppressed. Hate speech is being removed. It's the same damn game with a different tint, different lens. But this is what's happening right now in Germany. In a small point, I have a whole bunch to get into about Ukraine that I just keep not having time to get to. Just on a quick side note, I've got a lot going on in the personal life right now. Stuff that's up in the air. People have a family member that's going, that was just in the ER. It's just like chaos right now for me, but I'm trying to keep this going because this is paramount. But this, this is so alarming. The point is I'll get to that stuff very soon. The Ukraine stuff is incredible. But in Germany... Literally, a peace activist was just put in jail for simply saying that he understands why Russia would invade. That is it. And you will see this for yourself. This is shocking. And the point is, you're not allowed to question what they're doing anymore. You're not even allowed to give a different opinion. So think about that in the context of whether these injections are hurting people, let alone whether it was an engineered bioweapon to induce myocarditis and then spray it across the sky. I mean, think about how crazy that is. And it's all on paper as a possibility. And we're not even allowed to talk about this, especially in places like Germany. So here's what it says. January 31st. In January, the district court in Berlin convicted the peace activist Heinrich Bucher, I believe, let me know in the chat if the U with the two dots over it, if that pronounces differently. But uh, because he spoke, well, we'll say Bucker for now, because he spoke publicly against Germany's war policy in Ukraine. I mean, that is literally the extent of this, guys. Think about where we are. Think th This is straight up authoritarian fascism on its surface because we support Ukraine, because vaccines are good. And no matter what you say, that's the case. You're not even allowed to say, I disagree with you anymore. He stands up and justifies saying, I get why Russia might do this. Not to say he agrees with war or that he's okay with what they claim are war crimes. Just simply having a variant of the opinion and you're going to prison. The verdict is a massive attack on the basic democratic rights of freedom and expression and assembly. Bucker is a member of the Association of People Persecuted by the Nazi Regime. He runs a, a co-op anti-war cafe in Berlin, which regularly hosts anti-militarist events. So clearly the war, the, the war machine doesn't like him. Condemned German politics cooperation with former Nazi collaborators in Ukraine. 
which again, there's, we should not be playing this game anymore. We pretend Ukrainian uh, military and government are anything but what they openly say that they are. That's how ridiculous this has gotten. The judge of the district court therefore sentenced Bucker to a fine of 2,000 euros or 40 days in prison, according to a section 140 of the criminal code. Now, plenty of people right now, especially in places like this, might not have $2,000 to throw together in a way that is likely to disturb public peace, is what they said. Publicly approving a crime of aggression. That's the crime. So let's just even put it this way. If I stood up and let's say there was a crime of aggression, let's say it was a murder or a war, and I stood up and said, I agree with that. How in the world are you claiming that is a crime? Do we not live in a world where we, re, where we even Germany still pretends like they have free speech? Clearly, just like in the United States, guys, they're playing a game. They, they say those things. They'll say you've got free speech right up to the point they sew your mouth shut. And they'll say, oh, OK, well, now you don't. The point is they will lie and lie and lie as long as they can get away with it. This is crazy. Now, it says the verdict was issued in a penal order procedure, which does not provide for an oral hearing with the accused being heard or witnesses being heard. So now we're in some kind of secret backroom court dealing. This is not democracy, let alone. I mean, guys, this is authoritarianism. The government has control or rather specifically fascism where the government, it doesn't even matter. There, you don't get to have you don't have your day in court. You don't have witnesses. You don't have a jury. This is the government who's making this crazy just law in the first place, pulling you into a back room and then telling you what they're going to do to you. It says the penalty order says that in this speech, Bucker approved of Russia's illegal attack on Ukraine, which which you knew was illegal. Right. So if I look at somebody breaking the law, jaywalking, and I go, I agree with that. Is that a crime? Because I pointed somebody breaking the law and say, I agree with that, assuming they are actually breaking the law or even a discussion about whether this is subjective or the government now gets to decide what is and isn't anything. And if you go away from that, then you're breaking the law. A longer passage from the speech is quoted as evidence. The entire text of the doc is documented here. Read it for yourself, guys. In the quoted paragraph, he opposes cooperation with right-wing extreme forces in Ukraine. All he says is it's incomprehensible that German politics is again supporting the same Russia-phobic ideologies on the basis of which the German Reich found willing helpers in 1941, with whom they cooperated closely and murdered together. Now you can read this. In no way is he saying, yes, it's okay that Russia did this. He's simply arguing that this is a the same game, because it is, and the bottom line is that he has he understands why Russia was justified in their mind in taking action. Now, look, I, I in the interest of I don't I want to get right to the point. I already feel like his opening's taking too long. The bottom line is, guys, we're at a point where people like this, like Willem, uh, Hen, uh, um, I'm uh, blanking on his name. All of a sudden, we did we just we did uh, two interviews with them, I believe. There's plenty of this happening right now, where people are being literally arrested. Uh, Willem Engel, Taylor did two interviews with him for saying the wrong thing, or people like Th Thomas Binder, Doctor Binder being arrested, who, who Taylor also interviewed, for saying the wrong thing, literally going to a psychiatric ward as a doctor because you said the vaccines would hurt people, which he was right about, and he's still being attacked. Make sure I didn't miss anything more important down here. Yeah, that's, but the, the same point, guys. So bottom line is you're no longer allowed to say anything outside what the government deems allowable, at least in Germany. How long do you think that happens everywhere else? We're already there, basically. I mean, think about how crazy over the top it is. Our governments are already telling us right now that what you're doing is violence, saying this is violence, choosing to point out the vaccines are hurting people is, are violence. You're killing people. They just haven't executed the consequences just yet. It's I mean, we are that close. 
Here's Chief Nerd pointing out one of his tweets was fact-checked today by Verify This, one of these absurd so-called fact-checkers, which are really opinion checkers, which, by the way, Twitter has given its coveted gold check to, because you know they're to be trusted, whom would assume to be an unbiased third party, right? (laughs) Not true. The point is, this is the ridiculous group and you can read into who they're funded by and show you the direct, the, the absurdities of who these people are fact-checking them. And the point is that they're <laughs> one of the people on the board of directors literally is associated with Pfizer is the digi- chief digital officer of none other than Pfizer. And so you have basically a Pfizer person on the board of a company that's deciding to say, no, CDC's vaccine safety director didn't admit COVID vaccines are hurting people. It's the video you already saw, guys. We play this for you. There's no out of context here. The guy literally said exactly what you heard. And yes, because there's more to the video where, yes, they have other things to say, which are other people saying different things. The thing is, he said that exactly verbatim. You heard everything he said. They just don't like it. And all they can say is out of context, which doesn't mean false, understand. But that's how they play the game. So here he is showing you the truth yet again. And we're getting back. That's how they're playing this game. Here's Jan uh, Jekalik pointing out that it's a career path. It's a path to power, it says. The Twitter files barely scratch the surface of the burgeoning censorship industry in the West, says Mike Ben Cyber. He's been studying it for years. Its operatives openly tout a whole of society approach. Now, this is the interesting part about this is this video will break down how they are openly saying this interview with Epoch Times discussing how all of these groups are talking about a whole of society model. So think about what that means, guys. They are literally in lockstep, just like we know, around the world. What else do you call that? How else would you perceive almost every government on the planet in the same direction? This is a conspiracy. You can argue a conspiracy can be good or bad if you understand what the word means. The point is they are conspiring, and it's almost always bad in the context of governments, to do what they want to do and not really giving you the full picture. The bottom line is they're going to censor you. And I argue the Twitter files are just a way to pacify everybody, seeing as how they're not proving any of it other than screenshots, but it's mostly things we should already know are true. But I'll, again, this video, just since I don't have it lined up, we'll go. you can watch it for yourself. It's a very important video breaking this down. It's a good interview talking about how this is going to work at DHS, all of them, the government involved across the board to censor and control what you're saying. Interesting point on that in regard to Twitter. Remember, we just talked about how Elon Musk had a meeting with John Podesta, of all people, to talk about the electrification of the vehicle industry with Biden's administration. Well, guess what somebody pointed out? And this, of course, might have changed by now, but this was on January 31st. I think a day and a half or two days after he had the meeting. Check this out. How is it possible only two tweets in the Twitter search with Elon Musk and Podesta? Really? Are we? Are you kidding? So you're talking about the, the, the right-wing discussion, or rather just the white ring, right-wing Twitter, they're all calling it, who are all very aware of who John Podesta is. Nobody's talking about that? Yeah, I don't buy that for a second. Especially since, you know what you don't see right there in those two tweets? my tweet about it, (laughs) which it's not in my or top tweets. It's not there. The point is I did tweet about it and it's not there. So what does that mean? Is that Elon Musk censoring this because he met with the man? Is that Twitter doing so? Is it FBI agents? Is it former Twitter employees? I guess we'll never know. Bottom line is it doesn't really matter, guys. This is still the same game. Here is Twitter still as I now I wrote back to because at least for my experience, I did see this not happening for a while. But now Twitter is back to suppressing bit shoot by forcing the warning after every bit shoot link. Still, still to this point. So glad Elon saved the day. And then here is Decentered News pointing out there's also major deboosting and shadow banning going on, which never seemed to stop. Check it out. Look at that. That's not the, that tweet is, this is the same team. That's them. That's their tweet. They're talking about this. And just like they're saying, 
every reply from this account is they're saying, show me more. It's not even showing up. We saw this with Hussein, uh, uh, um, uh, Sam Husseini. A lot of people still happening. Yes, they're working away in the background. Must be those FBI agents, right? Here is Christian Ruby, who, by the way, was op- talking about this early on, about how she wanted to be involved with Twitter files, but they wouldn't let her. And she had all this other information. They didn't want to say I haven't confirmed any of that. But she's arguing that she had more information about the real inner workings and nobody wanted to talk to her about it, which is interesting. Here's to Susan point talking with her. And she simply says that are you he asks, are you saying that these machine learning al- algorithms are still operating on Twitter? Here she says, uh, are you saying that you think that these machine learning algorithms are still operating at Twitter despite the release of the Twitter files? Yes, I am. I have no evidence that they're not because people are still getting suspended and removed from the platform for using the very same words. But I think there's evidence of something else here. I think when someone really understands how machine learning or natural language processing works and also what it means to be in compliant with current laws around speech... There's no way you can truly have free speech on any social media platform with the state of of AI being used in content moderation. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying that someone's misleading, but I do think that we need a a greater level of transparency and trust for for ML to work. Something has to be positive and something has to be negative. Right. What is Elon Musk choosing to be be positive or to be negative. We know that with machine learning or things like chat GPT, it works with reinforcement Ah, learning. What behavior is being reinforced? I think we know this, guys. We're already watching this. My whole point, or for instance, Steve from Am Wake Up and and, and Pasta and I, we're talking about this on Tuesdays. This is what they're doing, whether they even, you know, I think it's very on the surface. This is about engineering people to engage with what they see as journalism in a very different way screenshots and assumption, right? Well, I mean, this is not like a WikiLeaks conversation. This is not like the Google files I'll show you next, where there's plenty of just endless source material documents. You can see page numbers. You can see context before and after the screenshots. Most of these screenshots you're seeing today from Twitter files are literally a screenshot of what they're looking at on a screen. You've seen, you can see how it makes the screenshots look. The point is they're not even holding the documents, guys. This is crazy that anybody other than Partisan players ever thought this was legitimate. Now, I'm not saying that it's not true, you understand. Even if now they release everything they've looked at, people have already changed the way they engage with this stuff. It's very concerning to me. We are being socially engineered. And this is the point. What's good and what's bad? What are we being, what are we being trained into? We don't know. We don't have answers for any of that when it comes to the future of machine learning at Twitter. That's very important information for anyone to know or to even question when we're talking about these terms. And I, or, or for um, Facebook or any of them, all of them, it's not just Twitter and Elon, right? The point is that this has been a a location of, of contention because of what people pretended what was happening, or at least that's what I'm saying. But here is uh, Kanoa Substack pointing out that this is in this, again, I'll let you look at it for yourself, Google leaks and Twitter files. And the point is that there, in 2019, 950 pages of Google's internal documents leaked provided evidence of Google's use of blacklist machine learning algorithms to censor, as they write here, conservatives and populists. Now, that is largely what I saw as well. But I just, you know, again, we, we shouldn't assume anything possible that this is only part of the picture. That doesn't mean that this isn't actual source material because it very clearly is. But we always consider that is just question everything. That's the point. I know the people that want us to trust screenshots and Twitter files get act like we're being ridiculous about this. It's because they no longer care about source material or due diligence, it seems. 
The bottom line is this is a lot is something you can look through for yourself. However, I do think there was examples of other than conservatives, and this gets going. This always goes through a lens, no matter who's talking about it. But it says there are those of uh, there are the these excuse me are the types of documents that Elon should release. Talking about uh, Google receives 5.6 billion daily searches, controlling 90 percent of global search traffic. I mean, just think about the power that holds. The you know main points here, like here's uh, Google co-founder Sergey Brin setting all hands company meeting. I certainly find the election deeply offensive. Like it was obvious that these people, you know, who think they're in the know, but many largely probably aren't, were out out to stop Donald Trump. Even though it became should become clear now to all of us that that was at least it seems to me to be the plan, the way it all worked out, pacifying the most resistant or who would have been to what all happened during Trump's administration, who all thought they won because Trump was there. And none of what Biden's doing now would have been possible without everything Trump did first. But let's all pretend like it was, you know, anyway, the point is that you can go through and look at this stuff and see how incredibly intense it is that Google is controlling literally everything we're talking about. And just more inner inner workings about the people and the overlap. But there was a, the main point I wanted to get at uh, oh, you know what I think it's... Oh, oh, this was it right here. So the point is that we've talked about this in the past. Google Insider goes public and shows you these documentation, uh, you know, proves these things to you and, you know, goes on with more stuff about Project Veritas. But I wanted to include this to show you that this is something that affected T-Lab all the way back then. Google Insider Voorhees discusses this. Now you can see right here on this page, T-Lab being listed. ...show up underneath the search bar when people are searching on their Android phones. Right there. They're telling people that, oh, they don't they don't have any blacklist. This is all done. You know, they don't have any political ideology. They don't have any- So you can see right there that T-Lab was on this list all the way back then. And I'm, I'm not Republican. I'm not conservative. But whether they saw it that way or not, I mean, I find it hard to believe. But either way, the point is you can see it right there. So this, th- you know, this thread is important. There's a lot of important information. And you can see all the stuff that they broke down. And the point is this, like stuff like this, it's not just screenshots you can look at. There is documents you can download that show you those screenshots and all of the other information. So that's quite a big difference than Twitter files, just to continue to make that point because people seem to miss it. On top of that, I found it very interesting, and I still do, that the link that they show in this video, like the very link that they're discussing in this. Oh, don't look at me. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Anyway, I it's in you, the the link that they show. Of course, I can't find it's right in there somewhere, and I keep missing it. The point is, the link that they show goes to here, and it's called Google Doc Document Dump for Project Veritas. But it's not there anymore. Just find that very strange. Why would that ever be deleted? I I don't even know. I'm not even I don't even know what the logical conclusion would be. But that's not what's supposed to happen, right? I mean, if this is some kind of whistleblowing discussion. I just find that to be very, very strange. Here's the Wayback Machine. So you can see that it is there. All the information, if you want to check it out for yourself, that discusses this breakdown. Now, the point is censorship, guys. The point is controlling the flow of information and demonizing us for violence, crimes, for saying the things we're about to get into next. Because they do not want people having conversations about this and allowing people to think or at least believe that they're able or allowed to think outside of the government-controlled narrative. Germany showing you right now. Now, here's what I pointed out, and this is the tweet that was originally there. She blocked me after I said this. Donald Trump has been served with a $10 million wrongful death lawsuit by a partner of the late Officer Sicknick who, for spreading disinformation and inflammatory rhetoric, which none of which really happened, as far as I can tell, that sparked the riot that killed her partner on 1-6, which is not even what actually happened. Like, they love to try to conflate all these deaths that happened in weird ways after this, including multiple days afterward. I mean, it's just, it's really ridiculous. Regardless of that, it's unfortunate this person died. The bottom line is 
They're stretching this to make this into something that it wasn't, which is why they still argue it was an armed insurrection despite none of them being armed. It's as simple as that. Point is, what they're literally saying, whether or not you think somebody died there, is that Donald Trump is being sued for what they say he said, not for what he actually said. It's because they go, wink, wink, here's what he meant when he didn't say this or when he said this word. That's crazy. Even if you think he did mean that, you don't know that for sure. These people are using assumption to literally try to to fine him $10 million and potentially say he's at fault for the death because of words. This is my point. This is a dangerous step towards the words are violence agenda, using Donald Trump to invoke an overly emotional and politically motivated response. In other words, emotions used to Trump logic, no pun intended. On top of all of it, the allegations are baseless. So this brings us into an interesting overlap, quick point before we talk about Barrick, which is that it seems to me that if this was a U.S.-centric agenda, just a side part, but this is relevant regardless of this thought, then maybe it's possible that other countries didn't realize this. And maybe it's possible that why we're starting to see countries pull back on this, even as the U.S. government pushes harder. Interesting thought, just so we can see it. As I jokingly said, tell us, you know, the COVID jabs are killing people without telling us, you know, the COVID jabs are killing people. That classic thing people say today. And of course, you can see the sun saying last chance before the vaccine stops for good. What? Yeah, that's happening. As I see people talk about the UK, they're like, why? Nobody even explained just no one even explained why they're stopping all of a sudden. They're just like, it's over now. Go forward. (laughs) Very strange. And I said, meanwhile, in Clown World USA, Keep your children boosted as of right now, six months old. Do it today. Get a discount. Get a free pizza and beer and get a flu shot and whatever garbage they're spinning right now. Here's the point. Booster jabs will no longer be available for healthy under 50s from February 12th. And then offers of even the first and second doses will be withdrawn later this year. What? Okay. I mean, so is that because of the post from March 2020 that says COVID is no longer a disease of high consequence or because of the fact that they've told us many times it's no longer a pandemic or, you know, which which argument are we looking at here? I mean, really? I mean, it's kind of crazy to me. And here's the CDC stamped to date with COVID vaccines, including boosters. January 25th, updated, became available under six months old. Clearly, they're going the other direction. Here's the New York Times pointing out that vaccine makers kept $1.4 billion in prepayments for canceled COVID shots. You realize these are things that in many cases haven't even been made. But even though company governments seemingly around the world are going like, we don't need any more. Let me get my money back. What does this show you? They're trying to make it about the world's poor, which is what I keep telling you. They're trying to act like it's about us taking it from people that want it. They don't want it. Nobody anywhere right now is taking this stuff. Separately, Johnson & Johnson is on top of this demanding additional payments for unwanted shots. That's fantastic, right? Now, we're talking Johnson & Johnson, realize. Not even the mRNA. They're going, look, give us money for things you we know you don't want. Why? Because they have these crazy COVID contracts, which we're talking about all kinds of weird legal settlements and like putting things up that they have on for credit. I mean, that's we all know about this, even though the corporate conversation doesn't want you to think about it. This has never happened before. As global demand for COVID vaccines dries up, the program responsible for vaccinating the world's poor has been urgently negotiating to try to get out of its deals. The point is, again, just because I feel like getting past it, I don't want to take that much time. It's obvious that the countries, and read it for yourself, around the world are trying to get rid of their excess. Gavi, the group in the middle, is kind of getting stuck with a gigantic bill. The point is that they're not getting anything back when countries are not only giving, trying to stop their payments, but they're trying to fund, you know, flood Gavi with their over-the-top shot they don't need. Nobody's taking this. One, it shows you, oh, that was one point. 
there was one point in here about 2021. It says the shots did not begin to reach developing countries in significant numbers until 2021. Right. Late 2021. So think about that when you see that the moment these shots begin to be given in late 2021 and then past that point, you see their Scott, your cases skyrocket. So ask yourself how most of these countries didn't even have an outbreak until the injections reached their shores. Think about that when we get into the next discussion. And that goes across the board on all this, guys. It's the same discussion. Nobody's taking them. They're no longer even pushing them as hard anymore. Something's changing. And here's the same point. Quebec saying that, you know, only people at risk even need this anymore. Except I thought the people at risk were the ones that we needed to inject ourselves to protect. How's that work, right? Are we reaching herd immunity to protect the risk, the people at risk? Or are you forcing the people at risk the shots first, which then nullifies the need for people not in danger to take the shot, which was the whole point in the very beginning. But yeah, you know, who cares about facts and logic? Now, the point is, this is happening, has been happening, and is continuing to happen. Now, why they're doing this is up to you to decide. Thinking about where we are and all the lies we've been forced to swallow throughout this entire thing that we are proving are lies. Ask yourself why they would lie about all this unless something like this was happening. Couldn't be other than this. But don't forget, as I said, and I, I want to point out a sort of a, mis, a, a mistake on this, too. I said, don't miss the now public fact that the U.S. government, specifically NIH and NIAID, funded coronavirus-induced myocarditis. And I wrote to the tune of $14 million in just one of the studies. I, it, it, what I, I, the mistake in there, I, I edited it and shortened it and tried to make this fit, and it came out confusing. The coronavirus-induced myocarditis, or technically wrong, to be clear, was my mistake, part of this is not to the tune of $14 million, which is not even what I meant. It's just because I edited it. But the point is, $14 million is one of the largest and most recent studies that he was being funded for, for similar research. I'll show you next. The coronavirus-induced myocarditis, there's probably seven or eight different studies going back to the 90s where that was being done. Just in case that's confusing. I don't want it to sound like it's all $14 million because it's way more money than that. And, and that's the different study. I'll show you what I mean. But just to clarify, the point is all conducted by Ralph Barrick of North Carolina University. And I discussed it right here, which you can read for yourself. Now, here is that in case you wanted to look at it. This is his career, basically his curriculum from his career. And you could see that there is, uh, oh, I'll just go to the next one. Here is the general grants starting from the most recent or technically not most recent because I think that's the most recent, but the most, the largest, I guess. $14 million, NIH, NIAID, Systems, Immunogenetics, and Biodefense Pathogens in the Collaborative Cross. Now, this is just talking about mouse res uh, resource designed to study complex genetic interactions in diverse populations to identify novel polymorphic genes regulating immune responses in SARS, influenza, and West Nile, gain new insights into genetic interactions that shape immune phenotypes in mice and humans. I mean, all these things are obviously overlap, but of course, to them, it's benign, and it's about just trying to keep people safe. I mean, that's what they'll always try to argue, right? And it could be. You can decide for yourself. This one's $7 million for characterization of novel genes encoded by RNA and DNA viruses. Again, very re related to the mRNA platform direction and this research precursory to it. But, uh, but the main point, though, is the specific case of myocarditis, coronavirus-induced myocarditis. Now, these guys, by the way, are completed studies. Those up there, believe, or at least some of them are ongoing. As you can see, just to make it clear, here is one. Coronavirus-induced myocarditis in rabbits. This one was 1987, 1990, but there's many of them. Coronavirus-induced rabbit cardiomyopathy. 
all of them done by Ralph Barrick. Just in case you missed that. Now, that alone is crazy to me. Again, you could argue, well, they say they're doing it to find out how to stop that or how to protect against it if somebody else weaponizes it, right? But just think about how what a slim chance that would be. The, the idea that they're that they're trying to like so the idea being that somebody's making this weapon and they want to stop it that would be basically mathematically impossible or the one that would be possible if that's what they believe they're doing or you believe is to is to make this happen to be able to figure out how to stop myocarditis being caused by other coronaviruses i guess and that's when you get into the conversation that's now being forced on us that oh well don't forget the common cold can cause this well nobody's ever heard about that before even though it is there you could look at the research but now it's being forced and you have this uh, broadcaster sitting there telling you that she got myocarditis from a cold even though she's got four shots in her body that they've induced can cause admitted can cause myocarditis now all i'm pointing out in that discussion is that the mathematical possibility of getting myocarditis from a cold, which I already looked into, is far, far, far less likely than the combination or just the single shot possibility of getting myocarditis after these injections, which we've already talked about. The risks are so much higher than they've admitted to. One in 800. One in 10,000, if you even listen to the CDC studies. So clearly there's something going on. Coronavirus-induced myocarditis in rabbits. It goes on and on. There's numerous examples. Coronavirus-induced myocarditis and dilated, dilated cardiomyopathy. Now, why would you need so many different variations of the study? Anyway, the point is that was happening. One other one, other one that I thought was very telling, by the way, also with the National Institute of Health from 2008 to 2011, it says he... Uh, the first critical evaluation of the potential use of common cold human coronaviruses as the mucosal vaccine vectors for HIV. Hmm. Interesting. Allergy and infection diseases, human coronaviruses as multi-gene mucosal vaccine vectors for HIV. Now, again, always going to call it a vaccine. Now, could this be an actual bioweapon under the guise of vaccine? Certainly possible. Could it also be something that was made into a vaccine, tested, and then accidentally got out and they covered up? That's also possible, too, because that's happened before. Just pointing out the possibilities. Also, just on an interesting side note, <laughs> Hypnosis uh, points out that coronavirus, uh, that 2023 is the year of the rabbit. <laughs> Not that that is here nor there. I just found that interesting, seeing as how he's working on this before. But to get into the real point of this, this is the part that I found the most interesting. Chief Nerd sharing this. And again, you, you've already seen this, most likely. The 2018 Project Diffuse proposal submitted by DARPA by the EcoHealth Alliance and China's Wuhan Institute of Virology included plans for literally aerosolized viruses and further work on published and unpublished coronavirus strains. Now, this is coming from a news rescue uh, platform, newsrescue.com. Now, there's a lot of their opinions in there. You could, it's a great article, actually. But I wanted to stick to, again, today, just what we could prove. So, first of all, I just want to show you the article. This, this also was put out uh, September 23rd, 2021. Leak grant proposal details high-risk coronavirus research. The proposal, this is The Intercept, re rejected by U.S. military research agency DARPA, or so we're told, describes the insertion of human-specific cleavage sites into SARS-related bat coronaviruses. Now think about that. In the context of numerous people, people like Luke Montagnier talking about the HIV inserts and many examples there or plenty of others pointing out these cleavage sites that cannot be organic that had to have been in their opinion made 
So just think about that in that context. That's pretty crazy when they find this proposal before all this to do the exact same thing on specifically SARS-related coronaviruses in back, even in the back conversation. As it says, written by the U.S.-based nonprofit, the EcoHealth Alliance, and submitted a 2018 in 2018 to DARPA, provides evidence that the group was working or at least planning to work on several risky areas of research. Among the scientific tasks the group described in its proposal, which was rejected by DARPA on in public, I'm going to just say that because it, you know I don't I haven't don't necessarily have any evidence they didn't reject it or do it anyway. But just you know, if in history, whether it's especially when it's defense focused things, just like this, don't DARPA is nothing if not I mean defense advanced research projects. It is national security well they would lie to you if they wanted to cover that and what didn't want people in the world to know so just something to think about was the creation of full-length infections clones of bat sars related coronaviruses and the insertion of a tiny part of the known virus as a protolytic cleavage site into bat coronaviruses of particular interest was a type of cleavage site able to interact with furin an enzyme expressed in human cells. We've talked about this in many different ways. The humanized mice, all these different ways they've made this is gain of function research. They did this openly back then. They made they they did it secretly after 2014. They're still doing it maybe quasi secretly today. It's gotten a lot more normalized. It's now EPPP research and it's totally okay, right? It's it's just a game they're constantly playing. But we'll come back to this again for other points, but don't forget we just talked about this. Where was this? Shoot, I forget where the page was over here <clears throat> so this is the new thing oh man oh there's still okay good uh, this was on the 27th talking about the new dangerous ch11 which it features a concerning mutation of the delta one so now just like what uh, just like pfizer was just telling us it's like john caleb pointed out they are literally taking the original and adding spike proteins of other variants of concern well, that's gain of function and they literally say that right in their discussion we'll come back to it the point here is that they're literally saying this. Taking these and the insertion of a tiny part of the known virus. So just we can't miss the exact overlap to what they literally on the record are saying they're doing right now. Pfizer has not conducted gain of function, it says, but working with collaborators, we have conducted research where the original SARS-CoV-2 virus has been used to express the spike protein from a new variant of concern. OK, explain to me the difference between what Pfizer literally wrote right there. And what they're doing or were proposing to do in this dangerous coronavirus research in 2018. Is it not the exact same thing? It says, of particular interest with the type of cleavage. Oh, I said that to humanized cells. The Eagle Health Alliance did not respond to inquiries about the document, despite having answered previous queries from The Intercept. The group's president, Peter Daszak, acknowledged the public discussion of an unfounded Un, excuse me, unfunded, that's important, it's real, an unfunded EcoHealth proposal in a tweet on Saturday. He did not dispute its authenticity. Here's the actual document, and this is this is genuine. This is a DARPA document called Project Diffuse, diffusing the threat of bat-borne coronaviruses, or at least so we're supposed to pretend. Now, you, there's a lot in here that's very, this is 24th March, 2018. You'll see Peter, you know, Peter Daszak, the whole discussion, $14 million. Right. Interesting overlap, by the way, just not that there's anything necessarily connected, but there's also 14 million dollars being funded here in 2017 for something that's supposed to not be connected to Ralph Barrick. Right. So it's just interesting. I, I think there's far more overlap to all of this, which is why I included it in that tweet. But you can see, oh, this, I got it lined up. Go to the next one. 
Or I thought I did. Tell me, I didn't miss that. Okay, I hope I didn't miss something right there. Well, anyway, as you can see in the biographies, just to make the, the connection clear, you got Peter Daszak in this proposal. Obviously, Eagle Alliance is involved, but you got Ralph Barrick right there, professor, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and, of course, Professor Zheng Shi from Wuhan Institute of Virology. I mean, this is not bombshell. This is public information. The point is, it's very clear that these people in all of the pillars of the COVID-19 conversation were <clears throat> quite literally working together to achieve exactly what we are being told right now Pfizer is doing. Except the interesting difference is that they apparently per said no to this research because it was super dangerous. Risky research that we don't want to do anymore. Okay. But it's happening, though, in real time, just being called something else. Now, here is what they're saying they're individually going to do in the proposal. Ralph Barrick, North Carolina University, will lead targeted immune boosting work, building on his two-decade track record of reverse engineering coronavirus and other virus spike proteins. Interesting. Dr. Shi, Wuhan Institute of Virology, will conduct viral testing on all completed samples, binding assays and some humanized mouse work. Right. The humanized mice we have in the conversation about the connection to COVID-19. Right. It's just it's all right in front of us. Diffuse the project diffuse. Eagle Health Alliance. Adjuvants and mutagen delivery vehicles. Now, here's where it gets important. Again, the shout out to Chief Nerd for pointing this out, making sure this gets in front of people today. As it says, microparticles can be fang. Uh, uh, what, how would you say that? Fangocytized. Fang, it is fang, right? Anyway, you guys correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. Fangotized by DCs and traffic to the lymph node for efficient molecule delivery. And then it says, can be aerosolized or delivered in spray or gels. Guys, that is exactly what we've been getting into. The, the in vivo nano platform conversation, the hydrogels and the nano, the nano hydrogels that we talked about, that Whitney wrote about in 2020. All this was fake news. We put it out back then. In 2018, they were proposing to aerosolize specific coronaviruses. Again, specific manipulated coronaviruses in the agenda to infect bats. But the point is, what they're discussing is quite literally self-spreading vaccine technology. It says agonist-laden particles will be made separately or in combination with recombinant SARS-CoV chimeric spike proteins. This is exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about today. Encapsulated into our aerodynamic um, uh, microparticles and nanoparticles. We will use our cave nectar bat. First, we will take wing punch biopsies from three individuals to sequence their ACE2 receptor gene. This will be asserted into human cell lines to pre-screen viral strains for binding. We will use two coronaviruses, SARS-CoV, and MERS, so the, the two we've had, the same game, guys, the same game. Here is just right below, you can see the same thing. We will use two coronaviruses. It goes on to say, our e, our, the, vi the virus colony they're using has now reached a sustainable population for infection experiments. An additional infection trial is currently planned through the University of Queensland in Australia. I just think that's interesting. Bats will be used, will be tested using PCR. So I find it very interesting why they were using PCR back then when this doesn't seem to be the right test to use in this context, as according to the owner, according to every possible conversation pre-COVID you can look at. Except if you just want to know if it's present, which is essentially the point. 
right? So either way, the point is they know that this is not the right test to be able to get into what they did today unless they realized it could be game, which they did in past conversations I've made clear. The epidemic that wasn't, they know this stuff. They've talked about it. People on the record from the New York Times, I think 2007, literally had an entire fake epidemic of whooping cough, went on for months. And the very doctors on the record written by the New York Times said this was because of our over-reliance on the PCR test. And it's going to happen again. And guess what? It sure did. For all experiments, viral loads will be measured by PCR. Aerosolized and liquid phase develop deployment methods suitable for a cave-like environment will be tested in collaboration with the University of North Carolina. Pretty interesting. What they're talking about, guys, is this exact thing. Could self-spreading vaccines stop a coronavirus pandemic? Well, you know what? They were testing. They were trying. Or at least that's the argument they were making. But here is the same thing. 2020, self-disseminating vaccines to suppress zoonosis. Well, that's what they're arguing. But let's not forget that this discussion has been there for a long time, not just about zoonosis, which means like animal-to-animal transfer, right? I've already shown you this many times for those that haven't seen it before. This is discussed in high-level, like UN-adjacent conversations. About And the UN, by the way, Johns Hopkins has an entire discussion about this in the middle of COVID-19 about human-to-human transmission or, or self-spreading vaccines. The original discussion did start with zoonosis, arguing that we need to stop the animals from spreading them so they can stop the transfer from us. But then it went to people. And even in the first real study of them in rabbits, mind you, that's an interesting, for, I forgot about that. The first thing they did about self-spreading, at least if we can find that real quick, was it was on rabbits. So, I mean, we're talking about coronavirus-induced. Hold on. Let me see. This is going to be interesting if I find this. I don't see the one with... Oh, here we go. So, none other than Johns Hopkins, of all people. Look at this. So, here is a discussion. Oh, wait. Oh, man. That's not what I wanted. Well, let's see if this goes to it. Okay. Okay. Self-spreading vaccines have already been used to protect wild rabbits. Guys, doesn't get into the link. Anyway, you can see right there that that is, so this has happened. What I'm interested in is the timing, the date, and where, here we go. Ah, I don't want to take too much time on this to find it. Anyway, the point is, so I say right there, Spain later tested transmissible injections with rabbits to prevent diseases. The point is it was a wild failure. It, it caused all kinds of problems in the rabbits. It caused things to spread between, it, it was a problem. And think about that. We just talked about rabbits in the myocarditis discussion. It's a weird folk. Now there is specific animals they choose for specific things because of the relation or not relation to the human, human, you know, everything. But the bottom line is this is being done. And I find that pretty interesting that that's the case. I'll just leave that one up. So we talked about this. Animal to animal, then discussions of humans during COVID-19, being the, the previous failures being with rabbits, which they also tested myocarditis-induced coronaviruses through them. Here is the video that I think is very important. This shows you that this has been discussed many times, and this is right now, hear me on this, what they are going to do next. This is what this is not my opinion. They're openly saying this. This is the next step. Now, whether or not this is done quietly, secretly, or even in this fashion, they're already talking about some form of spread infectious vaccine to stop the spread if they need to. Right? They're not talking about just doing them regularly, but that's probably where it will go. They're saying, we'll make this just in case we have to release it if we're all going to get into the next pandemic. 
But then I guess we're just trusting them again, right? Here's what they're talking about. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. Right now. However, do we really want to intentionally disperse these modified viruses outside the lab? Too late. The point is that the people in this discussion are clearly under the, under the impression that this is not happening. Right, that they haven't tested this before, that it hasn't gone out into the world or been tested on rabbits or whatever they're talking about. The point is things like Insect Allies program has already been done. It was even called bioweapons by the world's general consensus of scientists, but the U.S. just kept doing it anyway. The bottom line is this has already happened. <clears throat> Whether, but mass scale action is, is a different thing. That might have already happened, by the way. I still point at Omicron, Botswana, South Africa, the weird overlap <clears throat> of the moment that happened, how everything changed. Now suddenly, you know, more trend, less deadly. The bottom line is I think something like this has already been tested or, or executed. However, we want to talk about it. We've already discussed the spike protein itself. The Salk Institute talking about how it's cytotoxic in and of itself can cause disease. And we know that, yes, it can shed. Even mRNA seems to be possible. The bottom line is that the spike protein can shed, which we've proven that it can. If it can then be caught and cause disease, which then causes symptoms, which can then be spread again. What else is that other than a self-spreading vaccine? What is that other than, I mean, it's, it's, you couldn't call that COVID-19. It's just one piece of it, one protein. So what is it? I mean, come on, these things are happening right now. We're not, the, the corporate conversation is just pretend, it's, you can literally see them plugging their ears and stomping their feet. They just don't even want to look at these things. The point is, it's all happening. And I genuinely believe it's more than likely that these kind of things were involved with this prep either. And look, make it simple for yourself. If you don't believe they're capable of doing it on purpose, is it not possible this kind of research could have gotten out of control that their work on myocarditis inducing coronaviruses could have got accidentally released like many times out of Fort Detrick? Of course it could have. Of course. That's the one about the rabbits. But here is what the European Parliament, or at least one of the individuals in the Parliament, spoke out about when this project came to light. COVID-19, made in China, financed by the U.S. That's what This is their opinion. This is the uh, January 14th, 2022. A report on the origin of COVID-19 written by Major Joseph Murphy for the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Project Agency was released on January 11th, 2021. The officer states that COVID-19 came from a research project on bats in China and the United States. So that's, that's Major Joseph Murphy from DARPA's opinion that this Project Diffuse we just looked at is where this came from. He could be wrong, but that's his opinion. And it seems like a valid opinion. It says, conducted by the NGO Equal Alliance and funded by NIH NIH. DARPA purportedly received Equal Alliance's proposal in 2018, but refused to provide the USD for the $14 million requested, which we just looked at, including around $1 million for laboratories in Wuhan due to safety concerns. A total of $86,378.25 was budgeted for a test on the deployment of immune-boosting aerosols in bat caves in China. So it seems as if they pretended like things didn't happen and then just found other avenues through which to do the same research. And the point is that $14 million overlap is very clearly there. So something happened. 
But the point is asking questions like, what are we going to do about this? Is this going to reach it? The governors didn't care. Nobody cares. But let, let's see what Wikipedia has to say. Because clearly Wikipedia is always the, you know, has the, the inside information, don't they? Or really just what they're told to write. Project Diffuse was a rejected DARPA grant application which proposed to sample bat coronaviruses from various locations in China to evaluate whether bat coronaviruses might spill over into human population. Of course, that's always what it's about. The grantees proposed to create chimeric coronaviruses which were mutated from in different locations because that's, that's what you do to find out whether this thing can spread to people, right? before evaluating their ability to infect human cells in the laboratory. One proposed alteration was to modify bat coronaviruses to insert a cleavage site for the furin protease at the S1-S2 junction of the spike protein. Another part of the grant aimed to create non-infectious protein-based vaccines containing just the spike protein of dangerous coronaviruses. It's, it's not what we're doing right now at all. These vaccines would then be administered to bats in caves in southern China to help prevent future outbreaks. Co-investigations on the rejected proposal included Ralph Barrick, University of North Carolina, Lin Fa Wang from Duke, Shi uh, Zheng Li from Wuhan Institute of Virology. Okay. So, but it didn't happen, though. It's fake news, right? The bottom line is the fact that this was even proposed should be shocking to everybody. The fact that it's publicly posted on Wikipedia should be concerning. And the fact that this exact discussion almost exactly overlaps with, one, what a lot of really high-level experts have said is exactly what they're seeing and what they've discussed now going forward should be shocking. Again, this was released on January 27th. Pfizer, in their response, without naming what they're responding to of the Veritas leak, literally says they are conducting research where the original virus has been used to then put spike proteins from a different virus on it, or as they wrote, to express the spike protein from new variants of concern. This work is undertaken once a new variant of concern has been identified. So every time, apparently, a new variant of concern is identified, they take those spikes and they put it on this thing, because that's not possible. That can't get out, or that couldn't be used. Like this idea that we're supposed to assume that the company that's been caught lying about exactly these kind of crimes would not lie today. Again, the very thing they're discussing as crazy, dangerous things before is now what we're finding in, in the wild, apparently. CH11. It is the, the older thing that has weird Delta spikes on it. Now, how does that even happen? They'll give you some kind of a justification, but it's not supposed to be this simple. These kind of changes and variants are not supposed to happen in 30 days. Everybody told you that before this started, but apparently this doesn't matter. It's obvious that there's something weird happening here, guys. It's very obvious. Now, just in the vein of the bioweapon discussion, and I will do more on this because this is just a really interesting thread breakdown. Clandestine writes, you know, that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. And this is the same thing you saw here. Uh, this is the tweet involved right there. <clears throat> saying, yeah, you know, it's not entirely. The bottom line about this being aerosolized, right? Russian military intelligence alleged that the U.S. built unmanned drones with 30-liter aerosolized canisters attached to them. Now, don't forget, we just saw images of these canisters and so on from Ukraine in order to remotely spray airborne pathogens via water particles. Exactly how SARS-CoV-2 spreads. Now, it's coming from Russia, a foreign government, who has interest in deceiving American populations to their own interests like any government would, despite the fact that a lot of times, in fact, telling the truth is the most advantageous thing for Russia to do. The way that this is played today, that doesn't mean you should take it at face value. All of them could lie and do all the time. Bottom line is they do release information you can look at for yourself. And yet this is just screenshots and images. So take that as you will, like we would the Twitter files. It, you know, it's not proven as far as I'm concerned, but it's interesting because they are openly discussing this exact same kind of thing. 
And it says, uh, perhaps this is how they spread disease, drip, drippity drop. As for the sensitive sites, the U.S. and Chinese balloon that we're talking about today could be interested in. My first thought was Bumble Hive, the Utah data center controlled by the NSA, home to over one exabyte of data. That's one quintillion bytes, a billion times a billion of NSA data. Now, we'll come back to the China balloon conversation. Next point is, again, just to show you, this is Russia's actual, the Russian government account, or rather the MFA Russia account, pointing out that Russian personnel acquired over 20,000 documents of U.S. biological programs. Now, as almost always in the past, should they allow them, which is usually what they don't do, is they stop them from doing this in the U.N. because they're lying, so nobody can see it. But they will bring this to the U.N., which will be presented. Now, they could be falsified documents. But ask yourself why there would be such a resistance, like with Iran every time. When Iran tries to prove what they say about them in the UN, they won't let them even come in. Russia, this example, will probably bring these documents to discuss. But I guarantee you that the UN and rather the US and Israel won't allow that because it probably shows you something that they don't want you to see, my opinion. The materials confirm that the Pentagon aimed at creating elements of a biological weapon, testing it on the populations of Ukraine, which, by the way, plenty of people in Ukraine or in Georgia or plenty of locations like this, or even Dr. Boyle, for example, have told you that's what they're doing. Look at the clip I played of Fort Detrick in the beginning. Fort Detrick is one of these examples. Now, here's Kanoa the Great again with another, an interesting Substack, or excuse me, Twitter thread, but it's also Substack. Ukraine, it's a 2012 Ukrainian news report discussing the U.S. Department of Defense building biological weapons laboratories in cities across Ukraine as a part of what they said in this as their biological threat reduction program. But they talked about biological weapons because that's the point. They are dual use. I argue they're not even really about reducing anything. That's just the argument they use. But even if they are, it's also potential weapons. But you can watch for yourself. It's in Ukrainian and they're down there. The point is this is legitimate and you do find this. There's a great thread here to check out. There's only one point I want to show for today, which I will come back to. He references Hunter Biden. Hunter was not only involved in Ukrainian biolabs. In fact, his actual boss at Burisma Holdings was none other than Ukrainian oligarch Ihor Kolomoisky. You know, the lead backer of Zelensky himself and his entire campaign. Also, just interestingly enough, the lead financier of the Azov movement. <laughs> what do you know? I mean, think about how silly and ridiculous and transparent all of this is. You know, the guy who ran the very TV station where Zelensky played the president. And then many, almost all of the people who played on the team and even ran the studio, weirdly, this became his cabinet. Because that always what happens, right? Let's get the cameramen and the, and the writers to become, you know, people in my presidential administration. Guys, that's not even a joke. It's actually what happened. We are watching Wag the Dog in real time. That's what I think. Bottom line was, it's obvious there's overlap in this entire story that involves what's going on in Ukraine, involves the biolabs, involves some kind of massive, large execution of something. And as he points out, this is the response to the same thing. Don't we have Chinese balloons in the U.S. right now in Canada and everything else? Well, that's the story. I honestly don't know. This whole thing seems like a ridiculous, ridiculous distraction story. But either way, China's even openly said, yes, yes, that was ours, but it was a civilian airship. It's not, it's not some nefarious thing, but I don't know why we would take them at face value what they said. Any of these governments would lie the moment that it benefits them. But they say, they say usually, mained, mained, mained usually, I'm doing well today, used mainly for weather monitoring which went off course. <laughs> and then also in Canada, right? Who knows what's actually happening? Bottom line, as, as they were insinuating, it seems far more likely that this would be something being lied about. Or if it was China that they're trying to spy on certain things, who knows? Who knows? Are we going to pretend that the U.S. government's not actively doing that everywhere it can right now? That doesn't make this okay, but it just 
understanding the full picture here because this is overtaking the entire news discussion right now or, you know, corporate news and quotes. The bottom line is this is interesting because who knows what's actually happening? Are we talking about myocarditis induced viruses that maybe they tried to aerosolize? Yeah, and maybe this is concerning with everything else going on. Just a thought, especially since they've already, I mean, just, I'm, I'm, I'm out as well. I, I decided I wasn't going to add this, but then I figured why not just now let's do, uh, was it there? Just to, because it, what we're talking about would fall into the category of bio enhancement to a degree, manipulating you with nanotechnology, even if it's lipid nanoparticles and so on and how this is working, MRNA, that's what we're talking about. But just again, to reiterate, in every possible way. Weirdly enough, in 2018, right when that research was starting. Isn't that interesting? Just, just coincidence, I guess. Right? So they're literally working on self-spreading vaccines with exactly this guy in 2018 and funded by the government. In 2018, another study comes out and they go, hey, if we wanted to do this to the public, we should do it covertly. As I keep pointing out, as they say, some theory, some people argue that this that by moral bioenhancement should be compulsory. Like they force you to do it. He takes that a step further, he says. He's arguing that if it's compulsory, which means they should do it, then it has to be done covertly. This is to say that it's morally preferable for forcing these kind of actions to be administered without you knowing about it because that is more in line with liberty and safety and whatever else. The bottom line is they've argued this many times that if they need to do this for whatever reason, because you're all going to die, because we claim you're in danger because climate change, we're going to do it without you knowing about it because you're too dumb to understand. They've they've argued this so many different times. And just brings us to the last couple points here about how this, I mean, this really does open the conversation much more to the concept of a depopulation agenda or rather just maybe just a not caring about the fallout around your experiment. I honestly don't know. And we have to be okay with saying we don't know. The information is here. All the stuff you can prove for yourself and look at it. Come to your own conclusions about it. Ethical Skeptic points out another study that's actually pretty shocking to me. As it says right here, the role of social circle COVID-19 illness and vaccination experiences. Now, this is super observ- observational. It's more about a survey and what they're saying. But it still finds an interesting thing. You would argue that the, if with all the propaganda, it would be the opposite, arguably. January 24th. But what they found is pretty telling. It says, with these survey data, the total number of fatalities due to COVID-19 injections may be as high as 278,000, and that's after fatalities that have occurred regardless of the injections were even removed. The point is, from their surveys, it seems like this: most people know somebody who was hurt by these. And they even point out that most people that know that are people that, aren't, that are, have had these injections. It, it, this just does not line up with the narrative or the propaganda, but it's just observational, so it'll probably be ignored. But here's another alarming research point that I'll, I'll get into in an, another article, most likely, or another show more, more in more depth. Vigilant Fox points out another study came out in, by the way, April of last year, but we're, I'm only just hearing about it. It, it was funded by the NIH finds verifiably 40.2% of vaccinated women experienced menstrual changes. Now, they argue that they were minor, but that should be, it doesn't matter. If 40% of people had any kind of change, that should be headline news. It says that means that over 40 million women in the United States have had their menstrual cycles affected by this. It doesn't matter how you downplay that. That's a huge deal. Huge. Here's the study itself. Association between menstrual cycle length and coronavirus disease. Can you guess what the corporate news said about it? 
Experts say there's no cause for concern. Don't worry, though. Technically, this is from the earlier one that they did. This is January 6th, but it's the same point. <laughs> That's what they always do. Study says this is happening, but experts say, oh, which ones? Did you ask Dr. Peter McCullough? Because he doesn't think that. Oh, I guess you just don't like you. Oh, your experts. I got you. The ones that you pay to come on the show. They say that. Got it. Well, here's what Dr. Peter McCullough said. Menstrual changes even by one day in a cycle influence ovulation, fertilization, implantation, and uterine shedding. So any perturbation will, I believe that's how you say that, per, perturbation will almost certainly lead to population decreases in, in um, fucidity and fertility. The point is, guys, it's think about 40% of the population who've taken these things. It doesn't matter how small the change is. That's a huge sweeping change that will have larger effects on people. And that's assuming this is even actually the full picture. By and large, it seems it's far worse than this. And we're just finding this, like all the studies we've already seen about pre-neonatal, pre-neonatal deaths and, 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 um, early infant problems after birth. And I mean, on and on and on, obviously it's much bigger than just this. But now we're just finally starting to get even the smallest admission, which is always how this works. They give you 1% and hope you stop poking. The study itself is pretty crazy. And you'll find all sorts of things that stand out to me at the very least. For instance, like this is during the second vaccine cycle. A slightly higher proportion of participants had a change in cycle lasting more than eight days or more. Okay, so as much as they want to pretend like it's only a day, it's a day later. Well, a lot of people had a far, far more severe situation. They just don't include that because it was just a smaller one. Doesn't that matter? So you have an eight day or pot or even like some of these had more than that. 20 day or like a lot further down the line. And the, and the point I found is the more injections you had, the more that seems to be the case. The increase in cycle length for both the first and second vaccine cycles appears to be driven largely by 358 individuals who received both vaccine doses within a single cycle. And so their point is, which is they don't tell you when you read the blip and the, the, the conclusion, is that if you just so happen to get more than one injection during one cycle, then a lot more happens. How do you not read this as the more you take, the worse this gets? And it shows you that this is hurting you. This subgroup experienced a two-day unadjusted mean length. Pretty, pretty consistently. So the more shots they had within one cycle, the longer that happened. I mean, that's pretty consistent. Now it says, uh, and 10, 10% of them had an increase in cycle length of eight days or more compared with 4% in the unvaccinated cohort, cohort. So the point is that you had almost double the length or double the, the, the prevalence if you had two shots within one cycle. That's pretty relevant. That's a 100% increase. A subset of individuals who received both vaccine doses in a single cycle had, on average, an adjusted two-day increase in their vaccination cycle length compared with unvaccinated, although approximately 10% experienced a clinically notable change. I think it's what we just read, same thing. Now it says, uh, was it, yeah, within two, same thing. mRNA vaccines create a robust immune response or stressor that could temporarily affect the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis if timed correctly. That sounds fantastic. Our findings for individuals who receive two doses in a single cycle supports this hypothesis. So it seems like there's undefined things that are happening if you get too many in one cycle. Just, you know, and there's just a couple. Of, there's a lot more. I just picked it out real quickly because I didn't want to. I want. I want to go further on this in the future. But the bottom line is, this is obviously. And you know what the main point is, guys? Isn't that what they said was complete fake news? Yes, they did. The entire conversation, there is no evidence, even though this was there before. The evidence was there. The evidence is in their original trials. 
I pointed that out to you in the Pfizer trials that showed fertility problems and almost 10% decrease in the pregnancy index. But they argued if it was below 25%, they don't need to report it. It's right in their own documentation. Some arbitrary level they can set. The bottom line is everyone seems to see this, guys. Everybody seems to see this. Right now, apparently, there are more Democrats that are saying there's a danger with these vaccines than there are Republicans. They're being lied to. Everybody out there, I mean, they, they're all, everyone's being lied to. The point is that now even Democrats are going, wait a minute. Look at the data. 33% of Democrats right now feel that there's a problem with these injections. Only 26% of Republicans do. I keep trying to show you guys this, that it's not a partisan discussion. There are plenty of Republicans that are very pro-vaccine because Trump is. They just don't say it out loud because they get laughed at because it's pretty stupid today. Now, even the Democrats are coming along. The point is they are desperate to make you think it's a bunch of dangerous MAGA, white supremacist, right-wing crazies that do this or that push back. It's not true. They've lost control. They are losing control in every possible aspect. And what's happening right now around it all seems to getting be increasing. So with this possible research and the scary things that we know they're doing around the, behind the scenes here, it's time for people, especially those of us out there that are working together, to show other people the two-party illusion, hopefully, but really show them that there are people crossing party lines to expose what's happening right now. And nobody in the government is on your side. Nobody. So all I hope is that people can ask questions and stand back and look at everything we're talking about today and realize that at the very least, you are not getting the full picture. Now, I'll leave it today with, a, with basically, if you want to support this platform, right, there, there's a lot of ways to do so, and we are going to be doing a lot more coming soon. So I, I want to just throw another shout out there to you guys that for, the, for those that already support and already reach out, every single thing that comes through here, we, we, it means more to me than you possibly know. A lot of you know this because a lot of you get handwritten responses and things that come out to you because it means everything to us. Whether it's $1 or $1,000, it means everything because we couldn't do this without you. But there's a lot happening and a lot of attacks and a lot of suppression, a lot of stuff happening. So just want to shout out a few ways that you can support this platform. Here's the uh, specific pro, uh, course that I put out on autonomy. The link will be in the show notes below. And this, it, this is a great setup by autonomy. They, they, they really did a great job on this. Seven-step research method and so on. It's actually really, really, really well done. I didn't even phase it like that. I just kind of did it and they broke it. They, you know, they, they did, did well by me. I really appreciate how they did this. And it looks great. It's important. Check it out. Here is just autonomy in general. If you want to check it out, they have a lot of amazing courses there that I find that to be really important for people that want to find education outside of the controlled structure, right? On top of that, we have a lot of different ways on the website, Bitcoin, Litecoin, so on, Subscribestar, Cash App. You can buy t-shirts. It's a lot of different ways that I'm not even going to mention today. Like for instance, through Sovereign, Odyssey, all these different places, there's ways that you can support this platform. This one is one of the most the easiest, just the donation portal on our website that you can check out which again is right up here at the top truth clothing we have a lot of great shirts you can buy if you want to support the platform and also support truth clothing as well as nathan's work there's a lot of good stuff in there here's page two different vagabond shirts stickers different clothing for women and of course the Substack in general that scott's doing a great job on we have a q a on february on uh, what was the day on saturday which I'll be joining because once a month we do a Q&A for the founding members to check out. We, we get into a whole Q&A conversation. So if you'd like to ask me a question, there's your opportunity. In general, the Substack got a lot of great work. Compilations of my work as well as Scott's and new writers and so on. A lot of great stuff to check out. And through this, you can support the platform. And I'm going to end with this video, actually. That's what I, oh, I forgot to download it. 
Huh. Oh, that's right. I think I already have it. So I'm going to end with this. Another, another great video from Chief Nerd. Just to, it's, This is actually about the menstrual discussion. I figure we can end with this because it's just ridiculous how, how they're lying about everything, it seems. But thank you for being here today, guys. Important discussions as always. There's so much to get out. There's so much more coming your way. I thank you all. I love you all for being supportive of this platform. You know, I never really thought this would become what it is today. I'm just inspired every day by everything you're doing. Everybody out there fighting for the truth and trying to inform people that just don't want to hear it. It's a hard, hard job, but we're, you know, we realize this is paramount. <laughs> you know, as I say all the time that I do literally nothing else, it seems. This is paramount. This is everything. Day in and day out, we need to be focusing on this more than anything else because there are some pretty scary things happening right now. Now, I'd like to, I, I would argue that it's always kind of been the case. And I think we should almost think of, see it as a positive thing that we're finally seeing it. As much as it's making us uncomfortable, we actually have a chance to stop it this time. Just, if you don't see that as positive, I don't know what else is. But thank you for being here, finding community and a great group of people. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. A lot of the disinformation about infertility in among young women. We have absolutely no data to indicate that that would be the case. And in fact, from a bio, biology standpoint, it is biologically implausible that that could be the case. Meantime, thousands of women are reporting a potential side effect to the COVID-19 vaccine when it comes to their monthly menstrual cycles. And now top federal researchers are launching a study to see if there's a possible connection. Two new studies link COVID vaccines to temporary changes in menstrual cycles. It's the first research published on a symptom many women have voiced concerns about. Researchers looked at 20,000 women and found that the COVID-19 vaccine caused most to have a slightly longer period. However, when the women got two shots during the menstrual cycle, their periods lasted about four days longer. Well, the menstrual thing uh, is, is something that seems to be quite transient and, and temporary. That's, the point. That's one of the things. We need to study it more. The other study was published in Science Advances. This survey included around 39,000 women. It found that 42% of the women who had regular menstrual cycles had heavier bleeding after a COVID-19 shot. I hope we don't find out that like there's somehow this mRNA like lingers in the body. I mean, like, it has, it has to be impacting something hormonal. They impact menstrual cycles? Yeah, or like the entire next generation is like super fucked up. Could you imagine the scandal? Oh my God, I'd be, I'd take Pfizer off my resume. Then, Hamilton heard a story from a journalist. The journalist believed that the AIDS virus had been accidentally created by American scientists in the Congo in the 1950s, when they were testing a polio vaccine. The Americans had set up a laboratory to make the vaccine by growing it in the cells of chimpanzees. And the journalist's theory said that by doing this, the vaccine had become mixed with the chimp version of HIV which then entered human beings when they took the vaccine. Hamilton was fascinated. He was convinced that the scientific establishment were trying to suppress the evidence because it was a challenge to the idea that modern medicine was always beneficial. The medical profession and the scientific background to it doesn't like the idea that this might have been a human mistake. My fear is that it's going to become harder and harder to investigate this type of hypothesis that has big implications for what I would call big science uh, because people are going to be afraid of it for reasons of litigation, for reasons of losing their grant.